Hello, and welcome to another Veterinary Team Training Podcast. My name is Amy Newfield, and I'm both the host and owner of Vet Team Training. Please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com. I'm going to go ahead and throw myself into some hot water soup. Why not, right? I mean, I, I know that I'm going to probably cause a little bit of a ruckus, and I love open conversation, constructive criticism, so I'm going to welcome any and all feedback. That's what I've decided. But often I'm very quiet about what I like to call vet tech drama here in the United States. We have a lot of hot button topics. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm often asked my opinion. Do I think that this should happen? Do I think that should happen? And I stay out of it. I think that the main reason why I stay out of it is because unless it's something that I believe I could impact directly or I feel like may actually come to fruition, I tend to stay out of it. And neither one of these things that I'm about to talk about, I feel are ever going to come to fruition. I'm going to give my views as to why. I'm going to pause. I'm going to say that I believe every veterinary technician and assistant, anyone interested in the profession, if you're going to school, you should 100% support the National Association for Vet Techs in America. I personally have been a member since the 90s when I graduated from vet tech school, but the organization has been around since 1981. So it has a long-standing foundation as basically the representing organization for veterinary technicians and assistants here in the United States. I think there's still a lot of misconception as to what NAFTA does. So NAFTA is very similar to the AVMA. The AVMA is a representing organization that represents the veterinarians here in the United States. And NAFTA does the same for veterinary technicians and assistants. They help to represent our profession, but by no means do they push new laws or legal anything into the actual states at which we work. Uh, They may help to mold some legislation. They may advocate on our behalf, but more or less NAVTA helps to advocate for the profession. And that's why I've always been a part of it. To me, I very much want to be part of the organization that's going to represent my profession. So it's that simple for me. I know that in the past probably five, six, maybe seven years, there's been quite a lot of hot button topics. And I recognize that we as a profession are very much divided. And I'm going to just pause here and and just mention this. Even if you're on one side of this conversation or the other, we all want the same thing for this profession. We all really want good wages, not just that quote unquote livable wage, but I'd like to not just be able to live. I'd like to be able to enjoy life. So I'd like a really good wage. I'd like good benefits. I want a healthy work-life environment. I want to practice in a hospital that allows me to fully utilize my skills as a veterinary technician. I want to make sure that they put a value on education. I want to make sure there's good career pathing, that there's a good culture environment, all of those really wonderful things. And I think that's what we all want to do. I mean, we all came into this industry because we want to help animals and we want to make sure that they live longer, healthy lives. It's it's that simple. So no matter where you are on these statements or positions, Honestly, we're all in it for the same reason. And we have to remember that, especially when we take to social media. Please remember, we're all fighting for the same thing and we're all on the same team. Now, how we go about getting that same thing, um, we may disagree about, but we are on the same team, I assure you. So, all right, with all of that said and (laughs) laying out all of the 
the pre-work that I needed to lay out for this podcast so you know where my intention is coming from. I want to dive into the two hot button topics that I'm asked about the most. The one is the registered vet nurse title. Um, Do I think it's a a title that I like, uh, that we should as a country all agree upon? That's the first question I get asked an awful lot about. And then the second question I get now recently asked about is the mid-level practitioner role and what do I feel about that? So I'm going to dive into both of these hot button topics because I decided why not get myself in trouble. So the first one that I'm going to tackle is the Registered Veterinary Nurse Initiative. So I'm I'm going to probably mess up the timeline, but I want to say it's probably 2016, 2017, might be as late as 2018 that the National Associations for Vet Techs in America, aka NAVTA, decided to take on this initiative. They decided to go down the road of trying to unify all 50 states in this country under a singular title, and that title would be Registered Veterinary Nurse. And they called it the Veterinary Nurse Initiative, or VNI. The other things that this particular Vet Nurse Initiative did was not only to pull us into a singular title, which would have been registered veterinary nurse, but also to give us an actual scope of practice and title protection in all 50 states. Now, the United States is very unique in the sense that we have 50 different opinions here in the United States. And within every state, there are literally millions, if not billions, of actual individual opinions. And so there's a lot of opinions within every state, and every state gets the right to regulate the profession known as veterinary technology here in the United States. So getting all 50 states to agree to a singular title in the 21st century already sounds like a daunting task, but NAFTA was gonna take this on. So there are three very important things that they were focusing on. One is the title, Registered Veterinary Nurse. They had pulled a very minor amount of credentialed veterinary technicians and asked them what they thought of this title and whether or not they actually thought it was something that that they would want to get on board with by being called registered veterinary nurse. I believe that the data and the survey, in my humble opinion, was skewed. Um, I don't think that it was presented in a manner that was transparent as to why they were asking And I also don't necessarily believe that the body of people that they polled was actually representative of the individuals working within this country. Let me also say that I don't have full insight into the data or how it was actually, the surveys were actually conducted. So what I will say is NAVTA did a quote unquote study that said, oh yes, everybody wants, not everybody, but a larger percentage of people want the title registered veterinary nurse. That is what they believed to be true in however they collected that data. So that's one part of the vet nurse initiative. The other part of the vet nurse initiative is something called title protection. Now, in some of our states, we have something called title protection. Largely, those are states where the veterinary technician who is credentialed is listed as a licensed veterinary technician. And so an LVT is is typically more protected than in other states where, for example, Massachusetts, I am a... Uh, certified veterinary technician, meaning I do not have a license, meaning that anyone in my state can call themselves a veterinary technician and there's no legality to say you can or cannot. 
Now, in a lot of other states that have licensure, there is some type of title protection to say this individual holds a license and only people who hold a license can call themselves veterinary technologists. So is it enforced? No, probably not. We know it's not enforced. Um, it's a joke in a lot of states that have title protection, but in some states, they're trying to uphold it. So uh, certain states like California, for example, RVT is title protected and they tend to go ahead and, and implement and help to, to preserve that title a little bit more in that state. But other states, it's an absolute joke. So that's the second piece of the veterinary nurse initiative. The third and final piece of the veterinary nurse initiative is something called scope of practice. And so in most of our states, even those with title protection, a scope of practice means these skills can only be done by those that are credentialed, by those that hold a license, by those that are recognized by the state as veterinary technicians. And so, for example, in some states, only veterinary technicians can induce anesthesia, monitor anesthesia, give rabies vaccines, place IV catheters, things like that. And that's what's called a scope of practice. So the title protection and scope of practice, I am 100% on board. In fact, every single one of us who are listening to this and working in our profession needs to be on board, even those who are on the job trained. And the reality is, is, if you are, if you've not gone to school, if you've been on the job train, if there's a state that offers title protection and a scope of practice, that will usually mean that you actually have a career, a real job. And right now in a lot of states, there's no title protection and no scope of practice. So every single employer pays the lowest dime on the dollar. I've talked about this extensively, so I'm not going to go on my soapbox about that. But again, title protection and actual a scope of practice protects everybody, including the on-the-job trained individual who eventually, hopefully, can go on to school and then have that protection, which usually means you'll earn a higher salary. And so this is really key, and we should all be on board with both of those things. But what I get asked an awful lot about is, what's my opinion on the title of being called a registered vet nurse? Here's my answer to that. I honestly don't care. I've never cared about what I wanted to be called. What I care about is title protection and scope of practice. For all I give a crap about, you could call me a unicorn technician and I'd be cool with that. Does that mean I'm actually treating actual unicorns? Because if so, sign me up for that. Whatever the title is, I'm probably cool with that. And for individuals who've been in this profession for an extensively long time, like 40, 50 years in this business, they've already had their titles changed. At one point, it was an animal health technician, and then it became veterinary technician. So they probably care the least about what they're called. There are some people who are super passionate and they want to stay veterinary technicians. I personally do not care. And why I do not care is because I will be dead before all 50 states agree to a singular title. What I would not want to see is adding to the amount of titles we currently have, which only adds to the confusion. And unfortunately, I do see that happening probably at some point. And so 
as as well-meaning as the veterinary nurse initiative is unfortunately it became muddled and this is part of the rest of the story for me it became muddled when we decided to try to go after registered veterinary nurse in all 50 states and unfortunately years later again maybe this started in 2016 17 definitely no later than 18 was the vet nurse initiative start we have seen zero states actually pass it into law that their veterinary technicians would be called registered veterinary nurse. Some are close, but what this will do is it's just going to add another title to the confusion known as the United States veterinary technician profession. We already have LVTs, LVMTs, RVTs, and CVTs in this country. And I know that at some point I probably will see RVN added into the mix. So what does that mean? It literally means nothing unless we can get all 50 states. And again, I will be dead. I am 100% sure, not 99% sure. People, I'm 100% sure I will die before all 50 states agree to this singular title. And so this is where I've always taken the stance. I don't really care what I'm called. But what I do care about is not having the title take away from the more important initiatives, which is title protection and scope of practice. And unfortunately, we saw a dilution of these very important key things because of the addition of the RVN title into the vet nurse initiative. Now, I'm always asked, why am I not more involved in NAVTA? And the answer to that is, I don't have the time. I'm only one person. I'm involved in plenty of other organizations, and I've served on some committees in NAVTA, but I don't like to take on a new project or be involved on a board or a committee unless I know I have the energy and the time and also the passion to be part of it. For those of you who are interested in impacting change or getting involved in a national level, I would totally encourage you to run for committees, run for board positions on NAVTA. That's how changes and conversations happen. And when you get involved in committees and boards, you get to make a direct impact on this profession for the entire country, which is pretty impactful. And yes, NAVTA doesn't push out laws or legislation that, you know, dictate how we practice, but they are an organization with a very loud voice. And so if you want to be part of that very loud voice, I encourage you to get more involved with that. But for me, I just haven't had the time, maybe when I'm retired and I'm not sure if vet techs are allowed to retire, but if I ever do get to retire or maybe as I get older, I'll get a little bit more involved. Just to summarize about the entire RVN title protection and scope of practice, I think one of the struggles that I have with that entire initiative is that it was a poorly managed project. And I hate to say it, I have a lot of really wonderful colleagues that have put in a lot of time and energy but whenever a project gets designed, we have to bring in what I like to call all the stakeholders and make sure that we have a well thought out plan. And I'm, I'm not sure that we really got involved with all the stakeholders, really designed out how this was gonna work and the feasibility of that. I would have loved to have seen maybe just an emphasis on the key components, which we all agree upon, which again is gonna be that title practice and that scope of practice. Okay, so let's jump into the second part of this podcast. So recently NAVTA put out a mid-level practitioner survey, and I just wanna read parts of this. And 
Here's the definition of it. Basically, it says the acts of diagnosis, prescription, and surgery are restricted in all 50 states to be performed only by licensed veterinarians. However, there is a concept being discussed by industry stakeholders of establishing a new mid-level practitioner position in veterinary medicine that would be able to perform some diagnosis, prescription, and minor surgeries. There are two potential pathways for qualification being discussed in this new position. Pathway one would be exclusive to credentialed veterinary technicians and would require uh, your certain status, whether or not that be a CVT, LVT, LVMT, obviously RVT, whatever your current title is, you need to be credentialed in order to be able to be considered for this new pathway. And the second would be open to science-related degree holders and would not require status as a credentialed veterinary technician to be considered for this new pathway. It would be very similar to an individual becoming a physician's assistant in human healthcare. And NAVTA was basically went on to say that they were interested in learning your opinion on both pathways so that we can accurately represent the collective voice of the veterinary technician profession. So what is my opinion on the mid-level practitioner? I want to pause and say I absolutely want veterinary technicians to be utilized to their fullest. I want us to go sky's the limit. And so when you introduce the concept that there could be a veterinary technician level in which they're prescribing and diagnosing and maybe even doing minor surgical procedures like a physician's assistant, that sounds amazing. It absolutely sounds like something I would love to do. I would love to be certified for. It, it is probably the dream of many veterinary technicians that that's where our profession goes. But now I'm going to go back to muddied waters. And I think that this is my issue. First and foremost, if this does ever come to fruition, it will only be in a few states. And I will also go out on the same limb and say, I will be dead before I ever see a mid-level practitioner in all 50 states. It's never going to happen. I will literally die before I see RVN as the singular title and before we get mid-level practitioner in every state. It's just not going to happen because, again, we have 50 different opinions, and within those 50 opinions, we have millions of other opinions. It's just not going to happen. So where my pro is, I'm absolutely on board with the concept my con and my negative thoughts about this is we are muddying the waters to the actual important issues that we need to be undertaking. So I actually started looking down many different Google search rabbit holes and they included things like how many causes should one take on or how many projects should one take on? So I did find a couple of articles because I think this actually illustrates my point a little bit better. I found many project-based articles that said that the average person in a job, in a business setting, could handle two, no more than three projects at any given time and be effective in all of them. And then I found a very interesting article. It was written by Jessica Stillman, who is a contributor to Inc.com, and it's titled, Your Brain Absolutely Can't Handle More Than Five Projects at Once, New Science Shows. It brought home some really poignant points that kind of 
uh, are the basis of my rationale for how I feel about the mid-level practitioner. And so basically there was a study out of the UK and it offered a very simple answer to the question of, are you able to tackle multiple projects? Are you able to multitask? And if so, what's the hard limit to multitasking? And so they did a multi-year investigation of over 20,000 employees at a global manufacturing firm. And they found that the ideal number of projects that could potentially be handled effectively, effectively being the keyword, was five. And this is the sweet spot for projects. And so they they started to recognize that no one individual actually just works on one thing at a time during these days. We don't actually finish a project to completion within a day or a week or a month. Multiple times you are handling and juggling multiple projects, even if it's in your own personal life. You're doing a little bit on this project and then doing a little bit on that project. And so eventually they will get done. But how many projects can you really handle? And so when this study started looking into how many projects people have, again, they kind of deduced the sweet spot was five. And what they realized is anything over five, the projects started getting mishandled and the people started getting built, uh, stressed and burned out. And so what they found is anything less than five, even if it's only three or four, could be effectively handled with very little stress. I should say little in quotations, but less stress and less burnout. They found the employees that had more than five projects experienced a lack of focus and stretched brain capacity that resulted, unfortunately, in things getting missed deadlines not happening, and then them becoming very burned out. So I throw this study in here because ultimately I went down this weird Google rabbit hole in an effort to figure out how many things can an organization, an individual, or whatever that is, take on and be effective. NAFTA, I, I think a lot of people think that it's huge. It's actually managed and through committees and you know individuals who volunteer their time. And it's actually pretty small. It's largely a lot of the same people who do multiple things and serve on multiple committees, but it tends to not be a lot of people. I think when you think about the National Association for Vet Techs in America, you think hundreds of people volunteer and donate their time and help. It's actually just a handful. And so those individuals have full-time jobs. They have full-time lives and they are doing this out of the goodness of their heart. So you or I or anyone can go volunteer and help and donate your time to NAVTA. It has a lot of different committees that you can serve on. You could eventually run for the board of NAVTA. But again, as I previously stated, I am a fan of NAVTA. But when we look at just project management, this is an organization not made up of many people who also, this is again, not their full-time job, and they have many projects. So when we think about the Veterinary Nurse Initiative and just the conversation about how I struggle with the term registered veterinary nurse, not because I think it's a bad term, I don't really care what I'm called, I struggle with it because it became a dilutional effect to a very important mission, which is of those things, title protection and scope of practice is far superior than what we're actually called. And when you dilute something you down, you become ineffective. And so now we have this mid-level practitioner conversation. Again, I think it would be amazing. I would love to do those things. I would love to learn more about prescribing and diagnosing and you know, doing certain minor surgeries. I would love to be that person. 
but we're diluting and taking away from a lot of the other initiatives that they've already started to do. This is yet another project that perhaps the small amount of people that make up NAFTA do not have time to do. We don't have time to go to all 50 states and help with the regulation of this. The amount of money that would be needed to, to you know, put legislation, to lobby for this, it's extensive. And when I think about what the mid-level practitioner could be diluting, the answer is honestly simple. It's technician utilization. When we decide to go after a completely different project, aka mid-level practitioner, we then put technician utilization that affects every single one of us on the back burner. And we're starting to see that, unfortunately, with these initiatives. While they're great, and I think like... It, Again, I would love to see us all get one title. I would love for us to see us all, you know, maybe one day have this mid-level practitioner. I'm not denying that, but we need to fix the problems we currently have. And all we're doing is diluting them out so that our projects don't get completed. This is this is basically how to run projects. This is project management 101. If you can't complete a project, you shouldn't be starting other ones. So I think this is my concern with this newest course and newest path. And when people ask me what I think about it, I think it's great. But I think we've got a lot of projects we haven't finished. And I'd like to see those projects finished or at least invested a little bit more time. If we're if we're going, going for five, we've far exceeded that. So we have to pick and choose our battles. And I I think that's my whole point of this is... I would like to see our energy and our time devoted to things that we're struggling with currently and not adding on new projects. Because while we all have pipe dreams for this profession, I think talking about it and shooting for the moon in five years or 10 years, yes, absolutely. But let's clean house right now. And cleaning house means having all 50 states have title protection and scope of practice. That would probably be a big one. I'd like to see technician utilization increase hugely. I'd like to see an emphasis on healthy cultures, and I'd like to see an emphasis on even wage increases. I don't see a lot of forward progress on those types of initiatives, and those types of initiatives should be probably taking priority right now, given our current state of our profession. Ultimately, this is just my opinion, and I don't have all the answers. These are very complicated and hot-button topics, but... I, I looked at it from a practicality standpoint, a business mindset, and ultimately what I think I would want to see for our profession in this current state. So again, just my own opinion. I'm sure some of you completely disagree with me, and that is completely fine. I think it's important for all of us to share our thoughts in a healthy manner. Again, no bullying online. Be polite. Make sure the party who you are talking to understands you are polite. Come from a place of kindness. And in the end, sometimes it's okay to disagree, and that's all right. You know, both of these issues are very complex. I don't pretend to have the answers. Again, no one's an expert in this, so anyone who says, I have all the answers about this is lying for sure. I thank you for all that you do. I thank you for being in this profession. I welcome all the conversation and thank you for being a unicorn. Please check out all my other blogs, vlogs, and podcasts at vetteamtraining.com.